Walter, CBS News. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I love the Rudy, Moody Blues. Absolutely great. So a lot of news going on here. This is the Travel Angel Radio Show. I'm Cindy Palos, and I have a wonderful, enlightened group of folks in the studio with me. So good to see Deidre Teagarden and her brilliant, peace-oriented, inspired mother, Melinda, here in the studio as Melinda Clark is going to also... Thank We're you. tie the threads of Japan here together and weave them. And really lovely to have Walter Takushi um, back in the studio with us, too. Walter's been doing the voice of some of these wonderful Nisei moments and minutes we've been doing. Welcome back, Walter. Um, and Kathy Takushi is, I, I had to look on Facebook to see where she was. <laughs> I, th- I know she's been doing the Ama Waterway Cruise, but I, it looks like she was an Angkor Wat. I know she was in Vietnam, but I've been seeing some amazing pictures um, posted, um, and she really looks like she's having a great time on this uh, Ama Waterway river cruise. So um, next week, Kathy will be back to talk to us all about what it was like. I, I really do enjoy the pictures I'm seeing of her traveling there, and I have never done that, although Melinda here has been that, to, to <coughs> Anchor Watt. And, and that, that's right, 1963. Wow. Wow, before it got too crowded. <laughs> before it got too crowded, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll be talking about that. You just might have heard in the news, uh, I mean, we were all talking about in the studio, too, about JFK having the the water main pipe break in the airport and flood the airport and shut down the airport after they'd already had a terrible situation with backup of flights because of the mm-hmm. awful weather. And then to top it off, the whole airport. And Melinda said, well, that's what happens when you don't let the water run and you leave, you're leave. supposed to leave the faucet running or the pipes will break. And I'm going, I don't know if anyone ever thought about that. But um, it was certainly a mess. And there was another weird accident in the freezing temperatures of Canada where they backed a plane up. You know how they use the things. It was an empty plane. They backed the plane up, but the plane backed into another plane, oh and the plane caught fire that did have people on it, and, and then everyone's trying to get off with this huge burst of flame on the runway happening, and um, of course, the big, um, very, very topical subject that comes up, and I mean, I can relate to it. They said the problem was a lot of people, no one got hurt, but a lot of people were trying to get their carry-ons, uh, the overhead baggage off before just leaving the plane and you're going to keep the top it came up again you're not supposed to do that when you're told to get off the plane as soon as possible you're supposed to get off the plane of course i understand if i had my computer and my phone or something there in the bag the temptation is you know you want to grab the bag because you don't want to lose everything and everyone was okay but it was uh, a chance again bring up the discussion you're not supposed to really Try to go for your bag and grab the bag when you're supposed to get off the airplane as soon as possible. Mm. Do, do you remember the uh, one flight that had all those maggots in the uh, and they dropped down on woman's head? No, I don't. I didn't well, hear that uh, one. Uh, well, that was about a year ago. Really? I wonder where it was. It wasn't here. I hope. Well, no, but uh, that's probably what that guy did. He left his uh, hamburgers and stuff up there oh. and got out of the plane. So you see, he followed the rules. So the point is, maybe you don't always follow rules. <laughs> you don't always. Uh, you know what? The other one was weird. Very strange story last week. I guess there was a plane that had been delayed and had gone and started and had to be returned and it came back again. Well, one passenger got really upset and I think he wanted to smoke, so he 
gets out and walks onto the airplane wing. It's on the ground. And he's standing on the wing smoking a cigarette. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and they said, you can't, go st- you can't just leave the airplane and go out for a smoke. And, of course, they came and arrested him. So um, strange times indeed, and um, you never know what you're going to see happening these days at airports or on airplanes, you know. Things happen. But um, I'm going to, strangely enough, head to uh, New York. I actually was online today buying um, gloves and and, uh, scarves and a a kind of nice trying to look for a fashionable hat to wear in the cold (laughs) because I don't have those kind of things. And after seeing all the pictures of New York, I'm going, I'm going to be really cold there. I, I'm leaving on the 24th to go to uh, the Peace Awards that are happening uh, at the Edison Ballroom. Congratulations. Thank you. And then I'm going to uh, the Grammys on the 28th. Wow. And then I'm going to see Sir Elton John and a tribute to him um, at Madison Square Garden Theater oh, on, the, on the 30th. But um, I don't want to be too cold, especially no. coming off this pneumonia. So there, no. <laughs> so there we go. So here we are. We're going to, you know, it's interesting because Kathy Takushi has been telling me um, last year more than any other trips she's been selling, her most travel to destination was Japan. And I can't think of two people I'd rather talk to about, I guess three here, <laughs> to talk to about Japan than, than uh, Melinda, who's is just, just, I mean, absolutely the perfect person to talk to about Japan because you lived in Japan for years, and you've done at least two peace pilgrimages in Japan. Well, actually, I did one, but I did it, th- it took me three times <laughs> there to finish it because it was 900 miles. And, you know, I was thinking 900 miles walking straight is one thing, but Japan is up mountains and down mountains and, and, uh, not through mountains, thank heavens. <laughs> well, there could be tunnels, but there were th- it was through forests. But mm-hmm. anyway, it was just uh, really wonderful. When did you live there? I moved there originally uh, with uh, Deidre and her brother Gavin in uh, 1980. But I had been there before in 1962, 63. It was my first job right after college. I had been I had befriended a young Japanese fellow and he got me a job uh, in Japan. Where in Japan? In Nagoya, which is a great city. I love it. Below Tokyo? Yes, it's Tokyo, then Nagoya, then Osaka. And you know. that was around 1980? Well, no, actually it was the year of the Olympics, 1964 when I wow. arrived. Wow, that must have been amazing. It was. It was really amazing back in those days. Yeah. It's still an amazing country, but yeah. but it was very... Uh, Interesting. Everybody in their geta and kimono, and even the men. Really? You know? Yes. Wow. Still kimonos in in public wearing them. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's changed so much, hasn't it? Yes, it has. But there are. Yes, it has. <laughs> but, but there it are. Ha- yes, but it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's nice about Japan. Yeah. They, they were able to keep their culture. That is nice. And and but there's such a culture. I mean, you go back thousands. You look at these temples. Even in the midst of Tokyo, it, all the activity, there's these temples that go, are thousands of years old. Yes. Which, so you do have that mixture right there, the ultra-modern and the very, very ancient, and joined as one. I mean, you literally can go down one of those crazy busy streets and then walk into a temple and feel like you're in another world, right? Yes, that's very true. That's very true. And 
and you know, still some. Deidre and I went back to Nagoya uh, about two years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago. Oh, yeah. And it's the first time I've been back since 1964. And I actually found uh, a where I used to work, and I found an old house there. Remember the one with oh, the you did. Yes. And uh, I think that's where I used to study flower arranging, and oh. and it's just still there. And yet, there's all this other brand new stuff up too. So you speak Japanese? Yes, I do. Not as well as Deidre, but I speak Japanese. Deidre has has perfect Japanese, oh. and she reads and writes. Yeah, now, did, did you learn when you were when you were growing up there well, in Japan? When I, Is that when you learned? When I was little. My mother would actually sing the uh, the skiaki song. What to me. is okay? You yeah, got the, me. What the, is the skiaki song? It was the Ueomu um, ite Aruko. It's the the one that they translated, I think, uh, into to English. Oh yeah. Uh, back in the the. I 80s think or I can do a couple more bars. I kind of remember that song. Is that famous? It was it became famous. popular. It is. It, it, be, it's, it did become very, very popular in English and Japanese. But when I was a little girl, that's what she would sing me uh, to go to sleep at night, along with oh. bedtime stories. That was your stories. lullaby. So that was my lullaby. And oh. uh, every time I hear this song now, of course, I, I cry and, oh. and mascara. Okay, runs. you got to sing but a sing a No, couple. no, no. That's okay. okay. But, um, <laughs> so that's where it started. But then when we, we moved to Japan, uh, in the 1980s, we went to Shikoku, a little town called Imabari. It was a fishing, it is a fishing village. And uh, my brother and I both went to Japanese school. My brother went to Japanese kindergarten, and I went to junior high school. And it was total immersion because there were no wow. other foreigners. We uh, were the only We were the Americans. only ones. We were the only, and it was uh, quite an experience. It was. Did you feel strange? You know, everyone went out of their way um, to make us feel so comfortable. And yes, there were there are many strange situations, um, but many lovely situations also. And I had wonderful teachers who uh, took me out of class every day and and gave me private lessons on oh. learning to speak Japanese. I had the most wonderful uh, home economics teacher, Mrs. Yamamoto, and she made sure to teach me tea ceremony and oh, ikebana wow. and the most elegant of Japanese language so uh, I was I was very very blessed did, did you feel your I mean you were still young enough I was at, 11 at that point did you feel kind of a merging of your consciousness with the western to eastern consciousness kind of thinking I, I I'd like to say that I was so enlightened at the age of 11 <laughs> to uh, to understand that but but I don't think so but the one story that has always stuck with me to this to this day, and I'm you know no longer 11. I'm now 49. Uh, I was in the home economics class, and we were all learning how to make skirts. And my skirt was horrible. I just I couldn't I couldn't get it. And the next day, we had to turn in our skirt and be graded on it. And I was worried that I you know everyone would make fun of me because my skirt was awful. And that evening, do you remember? Kaoru Kambara and a group of the girls from uh, the class came and knocked on our door. It was like 8 o'clock at night. They came in, and they took my skirt apart, and they redid it by hand. Oh, my gosh. Perfectly, of course. And the next day I went into school, and I showed it to the teacher, and, you know, nobody said, oh, you know, we helped Deidre do that. It was just you work as a team. And I, I, to to this day, I, I... I feel um, so much gratitude to those to those young ladies and my teacher and 
Uh, and they could have just kind of thought of you as a separate person and let yes. them, they could have laughed at you. And, right. I mean, there's this bully consciousness. They could have said, oh, look at what she did. She doesn't know how to make a skirt. Instead, they went and helped you and didn't even mention that they didn't helped you. Didn't even mention it. Of course, everybody knew because they'd seen my skirt beforehand, <laughs> so they all knew that someone came and fixed it. But um, that Not lovely touching. that lovely teamwork. Yeah, so then I can tell another story about that same time. They had the uniform, and it was Deidre. We had to go out and buy the uniform, mm-hmm. and she wanted her bow. A little sailor outfit, I mm-hmm. wear. With a lovely bow, mm-hmm. and she wanted it to look perfect. So I said, well, I'll iron your bow for you. But the, fu- the irons that they had, uh, you never saw anything like it. It was like a big thing. It was just like a big piece of iron. It wasn't pointed like we have our irons, flat irons. Not the one we had. No. (laughs) No. It was just like a big clump of iron. Iron. So I put it on the bow, Mm -hmm. and the bow immediately disappeared. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. It was all singed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. But we didn't have time to change the bow, and Deidre was so afraid. She said, oh, mother, what am I going to do? And I said, don't worry, I'll tie it so nobody will see it. <laughs> and she said, are you sure? And I said, yes. So I tied it, and the gavin was there, too. And, and uh, so I said, there, it's perfect. He said, nobody will see it. Just, you know, don't move and let the bow up there. there. So knocked on the door, and we opened the door, and we heard 10,000 people screaming. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pointing at her bow. <laughs> screaming, ada, ada, ada. <laughs> so they took her and took her to school. And when we shut the door, Gavin looked at me and he said, poor Deidre. (laughs) (laughs) They knew immediately. They did. They They did. did. They did know immediately. Of course. (laughs) Were you embarrassed? Probably, but, you know, it was... It was, okay. it was okay. It was horrible. You know, you know what? That, that's, that's, that's life. And mm-hmm. you, you take the good and the bad. And mm-hmm. That makes you more appreciative when things do go right. Now, where was this town where you went to high school? Imabadi. So it's it was a, actually not quite high school, right? You it was were right junior high school. Junior high, yeah. It was a fishing village. On the coast of where? The On Inland the Sea. The Inland Sea? Wow. Yes. How did you beautiful. land up there, Melinda? Uh, next question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my my parents had... Mm-mm. Do I get to tell the story? No, because okay, I don't know what story you're telling. <laughs> no, I'll tell the story. Editing. Uh, so let's see. How do we end up there? Oh. Oh, yeah, you tell the story. So my, <laughs> my parents had gotten a divorce, uh-huh. and we were in a small town in Pennsylvania called Altoona, and there weren't a lot of job opportunities. Mm-hmm. And my mother um, had been a, a, a stay-at-home mother, which, uh, for which we were very thankful, and she was also a writer. So she did a lot of freelance uh, writing for the local newspapers. Uh, she had Three Mile Island had just happened in Pennsylvania, and so she was very aware of the the radiation, nuclear situation, and um, wanted to go to Hiroshima, actually, to do research on the A-bomb survivors. Uh, So she wrote to an old friend from Japan uh, that she had met in the 1960s, and um, about a job and visas and bringing us over. Um, At the same time, she also wrote to China, 
uh, to see where we could get she could <laughs> we could go and Japan wrote back first uh-huh. and we went to Japan and our the home happened to be in Shikoku in Imabari so we would go there and then she would take the weekends to go and interview the A-bomb survivors. Wow. Over to Hiroshima. <clears throat> wow. That must have been amazing. Finding that information is very valuable, which leads to the thread, of course, which we'll kind of maybe jump up to here in a minute about that you just uh, this last year did an essay about peace, and um, which was very, very powerful and got recognized for a special award. And went back to Chicago, was it, to receive uh, yes. a peace award? Yes, I don't know what's wrong with my throat today. Anyway, um, yes, it was a uh, <clears throat> peace essay contest. And uh, it was uh, not only the essay, <clears throat> but um, what uh, you could response you got to the essay. Uh-huh. So uh, Governor Abercrombie wrote a wonderful letter. Wow. And Mayor Arakawa uh-huh. uh, made a proclamation. <coughs> so did Governor Ige to proclaim it. Uh, it was a peace proclamation. KBP Day. To proclaim it KBP. And KBP stands for the kellogg Briand Pack. And these made more illegal. Which back, I had not heard right, of. Back the, in the 1920s. <coughs> I'd never heard of this pack before. I mean, this yes. is the first I've ever heard of it. Right. So the... Um, the essay was, and the whole event was to basically bring awareness to peace, to bring awareness to KBP, and to bring awareness to the fact that, you know, we don't have to, you know, go to war in order to solve our in, problems. It had totally been forgotten, this whole... It had totally been forgotten. But it's being brought up back now, and it's a seed that was planted years ago, 1929. Wow. He actually won the... Uh, Nobel Prize for it. Our, wow. He was our he was our Secretary of State, and uh, uh, so uh, it's uh, my my project this year is to try to get every state to declare KVP Day, just like Hawaii has done, both the mayor and the governor. So it's it's really great. It's fantastic. I, I'm going to send you a link that I have to a, a group that actually. Uh, likes to use tourism to promote peace. And um, they have a, a kind of rather large growing group of people that do that because I think this is actually what you've done too because when you did your pilgrimage, it was a peace pilgrimage as well. And you were spreading your aloha in peace in your pilgrimage you did. That's correct. Which was amazing. It was a, it was a spiritual thing and uh, uh, it was... Uh, what amazed me, talk about peace, is the whole island of Shikoku when they see a pilgrim, they are taught, trained, I don't know what the word is, but they go up and they give you something. And uh, people were giving me all kinds of things. And of course, you're not supposed to give anything back, which I didn't realize when they gave me a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Uh, but uh, but uh, it's kind of a joke. But anyway, uh, yeah, they just went out of their way to give, give, give. And I had uh, one... F- fellow peace program who actually gave me his house he and his wife so I have his house for three months so I went back every time I went back I was able to use his house for three months wow and it was a house that it was a family house but nobody lived in it so I lived in it for three months for three years and uh, it was just just wonderful and it's amazing what can happen when you get a, a collective consciousness towards peace yes and, you know, and, and we, of course, it had to go through this horrific situation 
of the bombing to that degree to, to get to that point where we have to do some kind of awakening where you go, my gosh, what in the world do you do after you see something as terrible? And we'll talk with Walter here about war as well, a little bit. <laughs> but, but you know, because of from all, all that, I mean, we're planting the seeds of what you're doing, Deidre, now, right? which is with the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center doing these amazing things. And I, I was introduced to Walter uh, through Deidre and, and, uh, and, and really through the Nisei Veterans Center, these amazing values that were created and founded and understood by some of the veterans who had been through war like Walter came to the point where they realized how important some of these principles are. You go through something very, very life-changing, and you feel like something good has to come from these experiences. And here we are still seeing this through the Nisei Veterans Center. Right. Well, um, you know, it's all about giving back and continuing on. And the, the motto of the men from the 100th and the, the 442nd, you know, after the war was continuing service. What can we do to give back to the community when we go home? So um, one of their things was they, they saved up money over the years, uh, and that was the seed money for the Nisei Veterans Is Memorial Is that really Center. true? Yes, and I didn't know that until a few months ago. I and didn't I either. came across a small uh, little write-up that they were saving money every, every month um, for a place such as ours. so I had no idea that's where the roots of that. Did you know that, Walter? No, I didn't. No. Yeah. So we feel like it's really our responsibility to share these stories, these values by which they led their lives, um, and the sacrifices that they and their families made. And that's why we started our values campaign. And I have to say a big thank you to Alexander and Baldwin Foundation who is actually the sponsor of the Values campaign. They've given us a, a generous grant to help get this out. But, um, yes, Mr. Tokishi is the voice of our of our value cam- Values campaign. And, and, you know, you speak perfect Japanese, so you were able to actually even say the words and understand which words to choose. Um, and the value of these words are very, very, very powerful words. And and they are, if we can even comprehend the seeds of these words, seeds will be planted on us to further the understanding of why these are important words um, to share. And again, I think it ties in the universality. I mean, we are all one people yes. in spirit, and these words are universal words. Maybe exactly. you can just go down some of the, the words that were chosen to, uh, that, that were chosen to be shared uh, and some of the values that were created by the Nisei veterans. Do you want to go down those, Walter, some of the words? Oh, okay. Um, some of these words are um, giddy, which, is mean, which means sense of duty. On, which is debt of gratitude. Mm. Gamang, quiet endurance. Gambari, perseverance. Mm. Kansha, gratitude. Chigi, loyalty. Enyo, humility. Sekinin, responsibility. Haji, shame. Okuri, pride. Meyo, honor. Omiyari, compassion. Gise, sacrifice. Oyakoko, love of family. Koromo no tatameni, 
it cannot be helped. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> For the sake of the children. Shikata kanai. It cannot be helped. Shimpo shite seiko suru. Strength grows from adversity. Mm. The last one is go for broke, means give it your best. You know, there's books that could be written, and I'm sure Melinda, being a writer, uh, each one of those phrases could be a book, could be a chapter mm-hmm. of a book as well. You're right. Um, and, and I guess they are chapters in the lives of what was created by some of these Nisei veterans. When you go down to the Veterans Center there, Nisei Veterans Center, you see pictures, um, you see medals. But each little picture, again, these stories of what brought these people to this place and how it changed not only their lives but the lives of so many people. But the one of the deepest stories I've learned from you, Deidre, and, and probably you've experienced this, Walter, very little recognition and talk about a lot of this for years. It was kind of the hidden. It was the hidden work that was done. And it was done for the principles there, not done to be publicized to the world. In fact, a lot of it was too painful Yes, to be shared, right? Well, I think um, I, I think it's twofold. Yes, I think um, I was just watching something on YouTube that Senator Inoue had um, he was discussing at a symposium about why veteran veterans don't like to talk about the war and and all of the the horrific um, horrible things that happened like Harold Okamura who did our first speaker series you know said it was very difficult to remember these things and that war is hell and we should just be kind to one another and don't go into war and I think the other part of it is that, you know, these men were, were young. They were cousins and neighbors and we're friends 17, and brothers. 17, 18, 20, 22, or right. is that right? And they, they did what was needed at the time. Um, they wanted to show loyalty to their country. They wanted to show loyalty to their family. Um, many of the, the parents, especially on West Coast, you know, were interned. So right after Pearl Harbor happened, people were getting, you know, Soldiers were coming to Japanese-American people's doors here on Maui and all across the state, arresting them Mm. uh, because they were of Japanese ancestry. So these men felt it was their, you know, responsibility to uh, stand up for their their families and show their loyalty. And uh, anyway, that's we had our 100th exhibit, 100th battalion exhibit, and right now we're doing our internment exhibit. But it was all about you know, doing what was right for their for their community at the time. and There's the internment exhibit is going on right now, and, and, and a lot of people still don't know right. about the internment that happened right here on Maui, correct? Exactly. We had uh, two camps, uh, two detention centers here on Maui. One was in Haiku, near what is now the post office, and the other one was the old Wailuku Jail, which is where the current jail is as well. Wait a second, smaller. it was right up here in Wailuku? It was right up here in Wailuku, down where the current prison is. I did not know that. That was an internment center there. Yes. Wow, no, I was not aware of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, prior to the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the FBI had already started a custodial detention list. That was back in 1939. So when martial law was declared on December 7th, uh, 1941, arrest squads uh, mm. began locating people from the FBI list wow. and then putting them into the detention centers. And as I had said before, each island had, had detention centers, and we had, 
we had two of them here. And we about how many people were in turn? Um, all together, Hawaii had 1,400 internees, and we had about wow. 100 from Maui, uh, some who were detained for a short time and then let go, but many who were sent to mainland internment camps, um, including Toshio Munekio, uh, who was sent to Tuli Lake. Um, and then, of course, we had uh, Teichiro Maihara, Kiyoji Hota, and Shigeru Murakami, and they were all interned on in mainland camps while their sons were serving in the U.S. Army oh and who died in action uh, in wow. Italy. Wow. So uh, amazing stories. A, a lo- many, many different stories. So right now we have an exhibit focusing on many of the families for whom we have information. Um, we actually have a th- – everybody who was interned was given a, a loyalty questionnaire. Mm. And on that loyalty questionnaire, there were two very famous questions, question 27 and 28. And those were, you know, will you d- renounce Japan and, and will you fight for America? And if you answered no to those two questions, you were called a no-no boy, which was basically a conscientious objector. They felt like their families you know, were put in the internment camps. Why should they go, go fight? Um, so they fought in a different way. They fought for, uh, you know, after the war, for civil rights and the um, many different things. And uh, we actually have a copy of one of those uh, from the Munekio family down at the center. Mm. Yeah, so you, you can see where they, they wrote their answers. But the, uh, the stories are just heart, heart-wrenching. It, mm. it tore families apart. And um, as Senator Inouye had said, you know, the lessons learned through internment must remain as a grave reminder of what we must not allow to happen again to any group in the future. Well, it's very true, and of course now it's kind of timely because there's all these questions coming up about immigrants and there's families and relatives of families and all these issues that are kind of coming up again. But I have to say the one thing that is amazing and that you do see when you go to the Nisei Veterans Center is the strength that came through these hardships. And it was tragic, and not just hardships. These were tragic stories. I mean heart-wrenching stories about what these people went through and what their families went through and then you see what became of some of these people that you have had a chance to meet you know and Noe and others that 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 kind of really survived all this and went on to prove themselves in ways that they had to that, that this hardship made them prove themselves, right? I, I think uh, one of the most recent values that Mr. Tokishi read was all about Hiroshi Arizumi, um, you know, who came back uh, from the war, and he and his brothers, you know, started Arizumi Brothers, but they've given back so much to to our community, and there are just there's so many stories uh, like that. So all of the values, the value campaign that we're doing. You know, these are all based on stories of our Nisei veterans here on Maui who came back and did something amazing. Well, just for the, the fact community. that they, with all that tight times and money financially, that they made a point of saving that money, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that till today, that they made a point of saving that money just so there could be a center so people could see what you are presenting there now is. is 
is amazing to see finally after all those years actually happening because you just opened so we opened about four years ago the education center itself um we of course have the preschool the concha preschool and maui adult daycare center on our campus as well and those two entities were built about 10 years ago and then uh we we built the education center and our archives about three four years ago and you've been collecting things, and you still have so much more you're going to be doing. We have a, a very extensive archival collection. We have over 200 special collections of uh, our Nisei veterans. The families have either donated items to us or, you know, they were, they were given to purple us. Purple hearts. We have purple but. hearts. We have stories and photographs. Um, we have... Handwritten letters, letters yeah. uh, uniforms, uniforms. Yes. Um, we we have the the Senin body, which I think I had talked oh. about before. The thousand stitch cloth that the women would would do a thousand stitches. So each woman, for instance, in the plantation camp, would do one French knot stitch on this thousand stitch cloth. Mm. Um, and then the men would wear it for good luck. Wow. And unless you were a year of the tiger, then you would have to do as many stitches as was your age because, you know, tigers are, are lucky and ferocious. Oh. And, but it was interesting because we had a woman from the plantation camps come in and see the sending body, and she said, oh, I, you know, I remember, I remember making these. My, my fingers would be so bloody at the end of the day because wow. she was a year of the tiger, and so she had to make so many. <coughs> And then we had a group from Japan come in, and they said, oh, oh, Senin body, did your soldiers take this from one of our soldiers? And we said, no, no, no. So they did it, too. They did it, too. My gosh, now there's something really interesting in synchronicity, right? Yes. They're doing the same thing for their boys and their family members, and we're doing the same things. And meanwhile, they're fighting against each other. Yeah. I mean, that is, and now we look back at it, and it's the same thread of wanting the, their people to survive and right. be blessed and and having to go through that in the war. Yes. And and that is interesting too about the Nisei Veterans Center. People come from Japan we do. here and visit you, right? They do. They do. We have uh, um, a handful of Japanese um, visitors that, that come every month or every couple months. Um, we're working closely now with the consulate, the Japanese consulate in Honolulu to try to expand that a little bit. Next year, or this year rather, is the 150th anniversary of Japanese immigration to Hawaii. So there are a lot of, um, a lot of different activities happening around that uh, this year. So we're hoping to you know, reach out and again, sort of like the, the, the A-bomb Museum in Hiroshima, the message is one of peace and one of, you know, let's not have this happen again. Did and you go to that, Melinda? Did you ever see that museum? Or in Hiroshima? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That one and also Nagasaki. That must have been amazing. It must be very, very painful to see that, right? Mm -hmm. Very emotional. We can't imagine here. We can't even imagine what it was like to see that. No, it's very emotional. Yeah. And, and here we are all talking about it, and it's one of us looking back, hoping and praying that we've learned lessons, right? And that we're still learning lessons. Right. <laughs> we're still learning important lessons that we really need to learn for survival. I mean, I can't help but wonder 
in Japan now, and you were there, I think, most recently, Melinda, but in Japan now, what they're thinking with North Korea uh, threatening and sending missiles overhead over Japan, what they must be thinking about, how could, if they had known what, what Japan had gone through before to then have this specter, this ghost of this threat kind of going through their minds again here, I can't even imagine what that stirs up in the Japanese people. I mean, you, had you ever thought about that, Walter, when you started seeing some of that? No, really, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you must have, Melinda, right? Did you ever wonder about that? Well, I'll tell you one story quickly, and that's um, a lady, Barbara Reynolds, and she's very well known in the peace groups, and she and her husband, um, her husband had been with the Army and uh, after the uh, bomb, and had to do the research on, uh, you know, radiation. And after what he saw, he worked there for a year or so, then he built a ship, and he and his family uh, sailed, and they went to Bikini Island, but another boat also was trying to go, but Hawaii stopped that boat. That was the Golden Phoenix, and uh, put them in jail. But this boat came through and got to the Bikini Islands to protest because it happened that there were some fishing boats in the area and they happened to be Japanese and again it was a Japanese crew that got radiated and died Mm -hmm. so that has been an issue the issue brought up has been an issue in the psyche of Japan Mm -hmm. ever since 45 Mm -hmm. it happened again in the 50s and now the fellow is sending you know bombs over Mm -hmm. uh, Japan so, yeah, and uh, uh, I know that there's a move right now today. I got an email from the Maui Peace Action to have everybody sign a paper to stop this uh, the nuclear. Sirens. The sirens. And, of course, they should stop the sirens because if we do the sirens, it's saying that we, we accept that we're going to be prayer for it. But there's no preparation mm. for nuclear, another nuclear bomb. Yeah, people that's were, a good point. People were uh, vaporized. And how, you know, vaporizing their shadows are still on benches. And, uh, you know, how can you uh, prepare? So, no, what they should be doing is thinking of ways for peace and to stop it Mm -hmm. and to stop this buildup that we're doing, which is senseless. It's taking money from us. It's, uh, you know, and these uh, Nisei veterans, one of the things that they fought for was to end war, no more war. And that's mm-hmm. what we should be working towards, yep, not sirens true. for when it comes. We I shouldn't say. accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, Yasutada Soga, who was one of the Hawaii internees who, who wrote a book, Life Behind Barbed Wire, he did a daily account of his time in the internment camps. Uh, it's a very, very emotional book. Um, you know, he's, but he's, he has this poem at the beginning of the, the book saying there's nothing more sorrowful than war. You know, here alone, all of life's sadness is brought together. So if we if we all realize this, and we all realize that you know, peace is the answer. You know, what can we be doing collectively or individually to to make that happen? And I really think these Nisei values, Walter, that you were mentioning, um, those are all seeds for peace, because peace starts within yourself. It's when you see people who are um, angry people, you see people who are don't understand or don't have compassion, don't have some of these principles. It's when people are out of balance with themselves and wanting to uh, fight 
that's where some of the things and the problems occur. And we see this, obviously, when we look in from the outside, we can see some of these things. That you can see it in Kim Jong-un. You know, and others, you can see it easily. They don't see it in themselves. We can say, my gosh, you know, what are you doing? But this is where we pray for the people to all find that, some part of themselves. And, you know, here we are hoping that the Olympics, which are coming up, we're going to be broadcasting the Winter Olympics in South Korea. It's like, well, my gosh, they were actually able to start talks because That's they right. want to be a part of the Olympics. That's right. I, I mean, I was shocked when I finally heard that they reached out from North Korea because yeah. they wanted to talk about how they could be involved in the Olympics. So, I mean, here you have, out of strange things, seeds of hope. Walter, I want to ask you a little bit. Your background is interesting. You went through a war, and you are, how did you find the Nisei Veterans Center, and how did you get involved? Because you're very involved also in the Nisei Veterans Center, aren't you? I'm about to be very involved, I think. (laughs) our newest team member. (laughs) But uh, I began uh, doing some docent work, doing at the um, museum. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I began to get really interested in it. And uh, I just just found out that, you know, this this is really important for us, for the people to know about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I really want to help out as, as much as I can in any way I can, you know, by there. Well, there's a certain solidarity uh, in the Japanese community here. And when you see some of the things that there's a common bond that's been formed and you can understand it I think a little better when you see the history and the roots of where some of this has come from now 150 years worth that went through the very very difficult times over those Mm. 150 years but there is something to be said of the pride of where it's come to now I think don't you don't you agree Walter that there's um, there's you look and look at the community now and see of all the wonderful things that are happening now Absolutely. I think we are taking more pride in what we are and what we do. Because of what we are, we are doing things. And I certainly am proud of, you know, my my kids and, and what they've done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot has been attributed to what my parents yes. and in-laws have taught and demonstrated to us, uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you feel that need to go? You fought and you're a veteran. Did you feel that kind of need because you knew of the history to go to war, to become involved in, in the military? I, I didn't go to war on, on my own volition. Uh-huh. <laughs> in fact, I, uh, I was close to being discharged when I was sent to Vietnam. And um, I just felt that, you know, I just had to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And But being there, I learned a really important lesson that, you know, people of the world are all alike. Yeah. And so I really um, felt that I must teach this to, mm. to our kids, you know. So. You were drafted, weren't you? No, I volunteered. Oh, you volunteered. Yeah. Okay. So this past year I was in uh, North Vietnam. Oh, you were? Yes, it was kind of an accident, but I got to North Vietnam and I was in Hanoi. And uh, anyway, I was just amazed how nice they were to me Hmm. and I asked them I said well you know why aren't you angry and they said you know we fought the French we fought the Chinese (laughs) we fought the Americans they said we don't want to fight anymore Mm -hmm. and uh, And now they're doing well with tourism oh they should because you wouldn't believe how beautiful an area outside Hanoi is called Cat Ba and Ha Long Bay and it's just gorgeous 
and, and affordable. that's where Kathy Kathy Takuchi just was there, you know, doing a tour. You yeah, know? it's really beautiful. It's, it's uh, very big. And I took a tour, and the, one of the first things they pointed out was where John McClain uh, McCain uh, plane went down. Really? <laughs> wow! So, I mean, that's a tourist it's, site. It's still amazing. Very, wow. It's very um, fresh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it has to be. And you know, you should see their war museum. Oh, they have a war museum really? in Vienna. Yeah, it's it's probably the most effective I've ever seen. It has the French guillotine right there, oh, wow. and it has all the stuff that they've put up with for for years. I don't know how many mm. years, and uh, it's very interesting. Mm. And yet, in in a generation, I mean, in fifty years here, look at look at where it was, and look at where it came, and if we could have that prevision. You know, instead of getting stuck in where we are without any kind of vision at all, if we can have the prevision to say, it's always better when we work together and look at, you know, do tourism and peace and work together and realize that there's more to be coming in the future that's going to be better rather than getting stuck in where we were in, in the hell of war, you know. Yeah, exactly. You have a wonderful speaker coming in this, and it's a free talk. I have to applaud Deidre and the Nisei Veterans Center, you do these amazing talks, and they're free. They are free because we have wonderful sponsors like Alexander and Baldwin, like Maui's Sons and Daughters of the Nisei Veterans, uh, like Munekio Haraga, Pugalani Superette, uh, TJ's Warehouse. Uh, we're very, very lucky, and um, Abby Carpet. But, yes, this Saturday we have Dr. Gail Okawa, uh, January 13th at 2 p.m. She is... Uh, currently a professor at Youngstown University in Ohio, but originally from uh, Hawaii. Her grandfather was interned. He was originally from Maui. She's going to be giving a talk called, you know, Through My Grandfather's Eyes, talking about the internment experience of the Issei, the first generation Japanese. Uh, So that's going to be at our center. It is free, but we always accept donations. Uh, But we do request that you call the office and let us know if you'd like to attend. Seating is limited. Our phone number is 244-6862. I'm going to repeat that because maybe you're in the car. 244-6862-244-6862. These talks you give are really powerful talks. And not only is there the talk, it gives you the reason to go there. It gives you the reason to go to the Nisei Veterans Center. So give yourself a little extra time. Yes. Because you want to go and look around. That's right. And you want to meet people, and you want to talk to some of these people. Yes. So we have a, um, the exhibit downstairs will be open, so you can come the internment the the internment exhibit. Uh, next month, we also have another internment-related uh, speaker. We have the Japanese Cultural Center of uh, Hawaii is coming over. A few years ago, they did a movie about Hono Uli Uli, which is the internment site um, on Oahu, and they've done a subsequent follow-up with about the internment sites and the detention camps on the other neighbor islands. So we'll be premiering that on Maui. Oh, premiering it here. Yes. Wonderful. February 10th. February 10th. We'll, we'll okay. send you all that, and you can share it with your well, listeners. Well, there's also another movie that's a major motion picture movie that's in the works, right? Yes, we're really trying to get that over here. So that's uh, Stacey Hayashi's Go For Broke, mm-hmm. uh, which premiered at the Hawaii International Film Festival. Oh, it already premiered. It did, but it didn't come to Maui mm-hmm. because uh, HIF doesn't have a partnership no, with they don't. on yeah. Maui. So we're trying to bring that over um, 
mid-spring, so we will keep everybody posted. Oh, but it would sure be hope so. great to uh, to prim- to have that do a Maui because it was done from in Hawaii. Correct, it was made it's in Hawaii. All Mau- it's all Hawaii actors. Jake Shimabukuro. Oh, Jake's uh, in it. Is in there, and um, it's all about the 442nd. And this year, 2018, is the 75th anniversary of the formation of the 442. So we'll be doing a big exhibit down at the center that will span through the summer about the 442nd. And I think when people think of Nisei soldiers, they first think of the 442. Um, The 100th uh, was our big exhibit last year. Mm -hmm. They actually came first. Uh, But, you know, when you think of Senator Inoue, he was the 442. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have a a uh, big exhibit down at the center, and we really hope to get that movie. So we're we're working on it. I I really hope you get it too. And is it strange for you, Melinda, now when you go back to Japan and you've seen it now over the course of fifty years, right? You've seen more, yes, longer, yes. Yeah. And you see where they came from and what they were struggling with. You were in the the depths of what was going on and researching that, and now you go back there. You were just in Vietnam and you did a the tour you finished up your pilgrimage uh i'll have how many miles 900 900 900 miles are you going to write a book about it well um i've um yes uh, first of all we're finishing up another book uh but yes uh that will be after uh give a talk at the nisei veterans but uh do you know when that's going to be yet no we 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 don't have the exact month uh scheduled in yet but i think it will be um April probably mm-hmm. is is when we'll be doing that April or or June after perhaps. you get your peace award in in Chicago right I I got my peace award oh you did in Chicago. Oh, yes yes it was congratulations wonderful. thank you very much it was very nice and congratulations to you and they really are special those little awards you know yeah they are um, they they make you realize that you're on the right track even though. Uh, it seems to be an old story. Yes. It's not an old story. No. And that's where this um, Gambadi perseverance comes in, you know. And uh, seeds are planted, and seeds take a long time. And that seed that uh, Kellogg planted in 1929. Mm. It's, Which I've uh, never um, heard of. I'm so glad you well, dug it, was it back the big, up. It was the biggest cover-up. Uh, the second biggest one was... Uh, uh, <laughs> <it> was uh, <laughs> Was, are you calling me, Deidre? <laughs> 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 calling me and telling me to uh, uh, rush, rush up the story. <laughs> no. So anyway, um, yeah, Kellogg-Briand Pact, and Kellogg was the our guy, and Briand was the French. And so in, in Europe, it's known as the uh, Paris Peace Pact. And uh, I forget, over 50 countries signed on to it. Wow. So it's, um, and it is a law. War is illegal, so it's a, it's a place to start. It is a place to start, and it's good to be aware of it, and I'm glad you are carrying that flag forth, Melinda. You really, I told you, Walter, she's an amazing woman. Yes. Didn't I tell you you'd yes. be inspired by her? Yes. Isn't she just I a... I am. I'm so <laughs> no. 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 Yes. Yes. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind. <laughs> no, really, and, and, and Deidre, you're certainly carrying on the uh, the wonderful tradition, and it's so beautiful. Uh, I know it's hard to get you all together with your schedules here, but it's so beautiful to see the way it all works together. I will say Deidre has, is a, um, m- a magical conduit for yes. almost any of these ideas. It's, it's amazing. Her life is amazing, and I'm very grateful to her. 
I am too. I am too. Especially grateful she turned off that phone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you another bag of Oreos. Okay. (laughs) But it's it's a real honor. It's I I love what I do. I love where I came from. I'm forever grateful to my to my mother and my family and to all of our wonderful people who at the center and you're meeting them all the time and what a wonderful connection where you can meet people like Walter and all the other people who are very involved and coming in and now we're all playing a part like Walter's doing these value minutes and and these are beautiful beautiful principles um you I know you have a website the Nisei Veterans Center Center people can go to what's the website nvmc dot org nvmc dot org yes like Nisei Veterans Memorial Center and you have the information about in case people couldn't get all the information yes. about the dates of the free events like this Saturday at two o'clock yes it's and all the telephone number it's to call. all on there and I just want also wanted to say it wasn't just Japanese Americans who were interned it was also Italian and German Americans I didn't so know I that I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of that really primarily it was one hundred and ten thousand Japanese Americans uh-huh. uh, and fewer Italian and German Americans, but they were also interned, their families were interned, and we just I didn't know that even. Let people know that it was it, it was it's a, it's board. it's a um it you have to remember. You have to remember so you don't repeat the exactly. same mistakes again. Mm. Right? I mean if we don't learn from these mistakes Yes. We you hate know, we, to have to ever we, we have to take the next step. You have to remember, but you know what? We have to do something about it now. You're right. Yeah, and remembering re- is a first step. Yeah, doing something about it is more important. <laughs> it's just the first step to remember doing. And you are Melinda. You're you're really an inspiration. I mean, you really have been dedicating your life to this and and going strong at it. And look at the you talk about C's plan, Deidre. Yep, that's Deidre, right. Deidre that's right. I can't thank you enough for w- the work you're doing. And it's so nice through you. I met Walter, and I people listen for you can hear on this station. These Nisei Veteran Minutes, um, the values are so important, and, and I love listening to them, and thank you for doing We'll be doing more of them. Thank and you for your partnership. Thank yes. you to Koi Radio because yes. you are always the, the first to, to jump and, to he- and help and volunteer and Because I get excited us, when I see you. something as wonderful <laughs> as this. I'm going, gosh, folks, this is really wonderful. Well, it's all the time we have. Next week, Kathy Takushi will be back from Captivating Journeys with her stories of Vietnam and Angkor Wat. I thank you all for listening. Aloha.